0: Here we go again on the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Wayne Clark. He is the owner of the Locust Hill Golf Course in Charlestown, West Virginia. Wayne, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for
1: having me. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. So, you know, I own a painting company. I know people who own trucking companies, cleaning companies, restaurants. I feel like everything has its own challenge, but the idea of owning that much land that's used almost every square inch I I imagine 168.3 acres it seems really daunting right in the center of a neighborhood do you want to share the origin story how it all kind of came about sure
1: so uh, uh, we'll have to go back a little bit further Um, in 98 started working for a company called the associates which was shortly bought out by Citigroup Um, and in 2000 i started working in northern virginia as a sales assistant vice president uh easiest way to explain you know my fortune you know luck or whatever you want to call it um i pretty much financed you know half of ashburn village so okay. when when i started working for city uh ashburn village was still in phase one so <clears throat> had a really good successful career uh, in the mortgage industry. And then in, uh, 2000 and early 2003, no, no, 2002, um, the city did a massive consolidation and, uh, we were pretty much, uh, all of our individual branches were, were consolidated, and, uh, down in Texas and took a little bit of an early retirement and, Uh, met my wife uh, during that time and uh, we actually moved up here to uh, Charlestown uh, in Huntfield Uh, we were one of the first ones buying uh, in Huntfield we've been here since and started working over at Wells Fargo worked there for uh, about nine months and then went off on my own Uh, I opened up my own mortgage company and ran that uh, successfully until 2008 and got out right before the crash good for you you know smart yeah. um I, and then uh good timing i remember having a conversation with my father um who passed away in 07 uh and he said if you could do anything for the rest of your life what would you do and i said i don't know i'd play golf and he's like but you've never played golf before i said no let's learn it so um In 2005, he bought me my first membership over at Stonebridge um, and bought me my first set of clubs from Tim McKee, uh, who just happened to win our pro-am over at Locust Hill uh, just a couple weeks ago. So a little shout out to Tim. Um, And I just started playing golf and I enjoyed the game. And I I remember telling my, my golf coach, he's like, what do you want to do with golf? And I said, I want to be in your shoes. And he laughed at me as I'm shooting a hundred, uh, and laughed some more as I got down the nineties and eighties. And then finally I said, I'm turning professional. Wow. So in a matter of five years, I went from shooting in a hundred turning professional in 2011. Uh, I was lucky to get the job as assistant, uh, golf professional over at Locust Hill and, By the end of that year, I was promoted to. Wait, define what uh, that position means. So pretty much, I was I was in charge of the overall golf operation. Okay, you know, making sure it's staffed. You know, uh, helping with, you know, booking t t sheets. You know, uh, making sure we had inventory you know golf balls that kind of stuff um i also started working with the uh, first Tee program uh which is a youth golf organization um that first year we had 16 kids uh now we're over 400. wow so um and you know i had so you know i'm, I'm pretty much the 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 go-to person like a zone at the manager level. kind of thing yeah okay yeah so um and during that time the drennan's owned Locust Hill and they also own Grass Creek and they they decided they were going to sell uh, they put a uh, unrealistic number on what that what they wanted the golf course to sell for um, and I, I me being a business guy I said man this thing this this has potential to make some money you know and I started doing research and I realized that 90% of golf courses in the Mid Atlantic don't make money Hmm. You know, they're 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 normally purchased as tax shelters. You know, someone else owns a another business and they buy it as you know, to offset the losses versus a successful business on the other side. I understand that. So and I'm I'm digging in, I'm digging in, I'm digging in, I'm like, wait a minute. They made thirty five thousand and they did eighteen thousand rounds. Yeah, okay, eighteen thousand rounds if you Think about that number. Basically, that's about a uh, uh, forty-five round per day average over, you know, um, over a whole year. Okay. All right. Obviously, our our market, our our busy time is April through October. Right. So, um, and I'm just watching the process go and um, seeing how everything is, and I'm like, what would happen if we did thirty thousand rounds? So come into 2012 and I really started doing some marketing for, you know, uh, for the golf course, going to, you know, local, you know, social clubs, you know, um, and just marketing the golf course, talking about the golf course. And we got up to 24,000 rounds and, you know, putting the numbers together and by this time, Uh, The Drennans are giving me a lot more freedom, you know, and a lot more responsibilities. And I'm kind of getting into the weeds of, you know, the expenses, you know, and I'm seeing where, you know, money's coming in, money's going out, all the other stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're we're potentially making a profit here. Let me interrupt for a
0: second. So the Drennans were looking to sell, but they hadn't found a buyer yet. And you were doing your job as the GM. Not only running it, but also finding ways to drum up more business. Correct. So you were making a a business you were considering purchasing more successful. Correct. Even though they were asking
1: for a price that was too high. Right. Okay. Okay. So lead this in. And in January of uh, 2014, I actually uh, talked to the wife and I said, we should offer them 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. You know they want a 2.1 and they're like we just can't go that low you know and it wasn't as nice as i just said it but you know sure february 28th 2014 um heater goes up the golf course burns clubhouse I remember that golf carts maintenance building everything now, back to January, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, 1-5, but I need to bulldoze the, the clubhouse to build a new one. Um, I'm going to take the picnic pavilion. I'm going to enclose that and make that a little banquet hall. This whole process is going through my mind of, you know, what we can do. You know, it's probably going to be about $3 million total, you know, after all business is done and everything. Um, but then the fire hits. So... I'm down in Florida at, at PGA school and I get a call uh, from the Drennids. Hey, is your offer still good? And my response was a offer's good, but not that offer. I ended up getting for almost half of what I offered. Wow. Um, closed on it in June of 2014. So from... March until maybe May, we're actually working out of my car. Wow. So we we have a, you know, uh, Ring Central phone company, which is a wireless, you know, we're working off a laptop, you know, I literally, um, I would pull up, which is now the clubhouse uh, where the outside tables are, I would pull up in my Audi and pop the trunk and the whole back, you know, this golf balls all on display and gloves out of the back of the trunk wow. of my car, you know, and uh, the guys who were working, um, who most of them still work at the golf course now, uh, who trained me, they're like, we know you're going to buy it. We know you're going to make it successful. So, okay, we'll do this. And we did it for about two and a half months before we got construction trailers on site, right? And started working out of those. And a, a uh, uh, we borrowed citizens fire department's uh, um, um, food trailer, put that on site so we, you know, we could still offer you know food and beer and sodas and all that stuff to our guests. Um, all this while we're going through the purchasing process, and then uh, uh, June twenty eighth of two thousand fourteen, we closed on the golf course. And within two weeks, we started construction on the clubhouse we have now. And we found a really nice little uh, loophole that if we maintain 20% of the building, we could treat the construction of what is now the clubhouse as a renovation and not a new building and not a new permit. So um, Jeff mumal who was our contractor, mm-hmm. um, came up with this great idea. If we keep the roof, we got our twenty percent. We can bulldoze everything else. Say so had a company and crane come up, cut off the roof, put it on the ground, bulldozed the picnic pavilion, started stick building, put the roof back on. Uh, we were able to increase two hundred square foot, which covered for where the bathrooms and the kitchen is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were off and we were done, you know, um, opened that up, uh, late November. So, you know, you're talking six months. We got from zero to, you know, hero. Um, right. And the moment I walked in, you know, I told staff, I said, we no longer sell golf. We sell entertainment. Okay. This is what we do. You know, we're going to make sure that when they walk off that golf course, they're going to have compliments about the golf course, but they're going to say, you know what? I felt great playing here. Everybody here made me feel great, even though I played terrible. Golf is a wicked sport. (laughs) Wicked sport. I mean, the best golfers in the world, you watch them on TV, you listen to them. Hey, how did it feel shooting 59? You know, it was pretty good. But I remember that one shot I missed, you know, and it really bothers me. Dude, you just shot fifty nine. Right, you know, come on. It's all about perspective, right? You know, but they remember one shot mm-hmm. that aggravated them, and that's golf. It's and that'll change game. their whole
0: day. I mean, yeah. even though there's a success, they still. So if they come off the course and come into the clubhouse, they they get felt like a, they feel like a champion.
1: Correct. That's really smart. Correct. So, um, and even even today, you know um i've never changed my vision statement you know we're resort style golf course with family affordable pricing everybody knows that if you want to go out and have a really good meal chef tom is phenomenal uh, you have a really good meal and, and a couple beverages you're not going to find a place that's more family of priced than our place you know i mean glory days we're, Sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to. Be. You can so, mention anybody you want to, sure. You know some of the other you know chain establishments. You know you're getting a uh, you know eight ounce burger for thirteen dollars. Right. We're at eight ninety five. Right now with the inflation the way it is. Right. You know Tuesday night's burger night and Chef Tom is phenomenal. He's make all kinds of cool just different burgers. And did you struggle getting the word out? I did. Right. I did. So the the biggest challenge uh, that we had was, um, and I don't quit. So we started live music. We started all this stuff and all these social events and, you know, 10 people, 15 people, 10, 15, you know, and I slowly built and built and built and built, uh, our 4th of July party. We had over 400 people.
0: That's awesome. And, and I can relate to that because one of the tenets of my social club, which is Bros and Raws, is there's no judgment. Right. So it's kind of like not judging somebody who comes off the course. Everybody feels good. You're surrounded by good people. But it's not hard to build. I mean, it is it is hard to build, but when the word spreads, yes, it spreads good. So how long did it take you? From was it 2014 when you opened in, in late fall? Mm-hmm. How long before you hit your stride? Still working on it. Okay. Yeah. Still working on it. I mean, is that because it's always improving, or just because it hasn't met what your expectations are?
1: Oh, we we still have people walk in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you had to be a member to come here. No,
0: we're open to the public. That's so tough to get. It's it's really hard to get the word out, especially when the model is social media, and then social media guides people down a path that they right. that social media thinks is good for them. Hopefully, this hopefully this podcast will drum up some more awareness because. We had a, I think it was a birthday party there. Yeah. A couple of Januarys ago, I'd say right before COVID. Yeah. As a matter of fact, and it was awesome. I think we had about sixty people show up. The drinks were good. The beer was good. The food was good. And what was impressive, because we've crashed
1: some businesses before, we we've gone into, not Sumitra always. I remember when you guys crashed us. Yeah. It was like we're sitting here and and I'm talking to the staff, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of slow night. Maybe we'll get out of here early, and then two walk in and two more and i'm looking at the staff i'm like what's going on do you guys know they're gonna and then next thing i know there's 25 of you guys in there and it's like all right here we go i i was the impression they knew we were coming no oh really we had no clue no one well i'm
0: so sorry first of all (laughs) because hey we were happy yeah i mean that was I. I was the impression that was organized, not not when you guys crashed us. <laughs> now, when we booked the party,
1: yes, when we had the birthday party.
0: Oh, so the crashing was different. So yeah, okay. First of all, sorry about that. The <laughs> social committee is they're wild. That's why they're the social committee, and we don't always know how that got put together. And we've we never mean to crash anywhere. Traditionally, we give people a heads up, but they never take it as serious yeah. as when the full volume of bros and bras show up. But when we booked the party, that was dynamite way well, it was dynamite and the service was great and we were so happy and and we, we should go back but we've never gotten our social tempo back since COVID Like right. we're just starting to scratch a surface on that and people are still a little weird but so you haven't quite hit the tempo that you want and one of the things I find fascinating is a clubhouse and how someone designs a clubhouse or somebody how you determine with the pro shop all these all these little pieces and nuances but being the G- G- GM, it makes sense that you kind of had your own vision of what really would work within your own budgets so um did you just kind of outsource the expertise of a chef and say hey just create the menu and let me know what you come up with or did you have your hand in that sort of stuff or how how involved were you in the creation of the professionals on
1: site so um i was lucky enough in high school to go to a charter school Mm -hmm. And I went to a vocational school um, and I studied culinary arts. So that was my, my specialty. Um, So I actually graduated high school with the uh, full Maryland certification uh, to be a chef wherever I wanted to go. Uh, It just didn't fit, you know, when I went to college with, with sports and things to be in that industry. Um, So I had a lot of, food knowledge before I even came in um and then you know it was just it was a growing pain after growing pain after growing pain you know um I remember our first real chef um that we hired she came in and she's like you know she was a uh, a line chef uh on a cruise ship and you know it was like okay um i really probably can't afford you but i'll throw out a number and i did And she's like okay let's go to work like whoa all right um you know the the building of the outdoor kitchen um so you know keep in mind the building the clubhouse we have right now that that that's ultimate purpose is to be a banquet facility right if we ever get this main clubhouse done um, which I still want to do. It's a rebuild of the Lucy Washington uh, packet house that was on, on site during the civil war. Wow. Um, so, you know, and I said, well, even if we, even if we build this, you know, new kitchen, we, you know, we do all the food pe- preparation and, and the new clubhouse and all that. We still want to have that, you know, that excitement and that entertainment of, you know, saturdays and sundays cooking burgers outside you know as the golfers come by and things like that so we decided to build an outdoor kitchen you know that's fully functional as as a kitchen um it just happens to be outside and um when our chef left in in may i went to my food purveyor and i said hey listen you know may of 20 okay um i said i need i need a chef and he called me that afternoon and said, "Hey, I got a guy um, who's probably going to look for some work. Um, it might only be a short period, but I know he's good. And if you win him over, you might be able to keep him." It's like, okay. So Tom comes in uh, in June of 2020. You know, we're right in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. you know. But I have an outdoor kitchen. I have an outdoor tent. I could space everything adapted. Yep. So we're able to do everything like we would do inside outside during COVID With all the spacing.
0: Yeah. Cause everything is outside. So it's lucky that you lucky and good planning that you had an outdoor kitchen built just prior to COVID.
1: Yeah. We, we put the outdoor kitchen in, in 2018. So, um, 1718 somewhere Mm -hmm. around there um so tom walks in and he says well you know uh i'm i'm kind of getting unemployment i don't know how long it's going to last what's going on um i don't know if the restaurant's going to reopen or not um tom was the chef at john's family restaurant down on 340 Right. right so Maybe two weeks of him working just part-time, coming in on weekends, doing burgers and things like that. Sure. Uh, he says, hey, they're not going to reopen. And I said, you got a home here. I said, uh, for for right now, for the next, you know, three, four months, um, I'll sit down with you, order with you, doing all that stuff, and make sure that we're, you know, we're, we're making the right stuff. But we have to understand that, you know, our our – our abilities are grilled kind of, you know, steaks, you know, pork chops. I mean, ribs, things, things that that fit, you know, um, our clients. And and he's taking it now. He has full reign. He does whatever he wants.
0: That's great. The food at John's was pretty outstanding. If you, I mean, especially when you went to the higher end stuff. They're, yeah. Their steaks are really good, and it's a shame that they they did decide not to open. But it's really good for you because you you picked up a diamond. You know, I, I have, you know, and, and, and the ability to keep quality staff is, is, is really an art, especially in this strange sort of dynamic, the resignation or whatever. But I find that the people that stayed with my companies are really high quality people. Yeah. And it's, it's a blessing to have somebody like that. So good for you there. You know, one, the,
1: you know, keeping people around, um, you know, one of the one many know probably listen to me. You know, listen to the podcast. They know that I'm also a state delegate. So uh, you know, um, I have time when I'm away from the golf course for for lengthy periods of time. Um, someone always told me that when you hire people that are smarter than you, then you don't have to manage or micromanage people. Right. Um, the golf course itself is not built for an absentee owner. You know, it's just not something I've ever done. I'm always involved with everything that goes on at the golf course, but I don't have a problem empowering someone to do something. If someone has an expertise, you know, and they come to me, you know, I, I think you got it, run with it, you know, give you a little extra money for doing it, whatever, you know, but run with it. So now they have this you know they're bought they're bought in you know hey it's you know
0: and they respect and appreciate the autonomy yeah
1: it's chef Tom's kitchen right it's chef Tom's menu you
0: know we, we but you were you weren't always like that you weren't always able to bill go hands-off or has it always been a trait you had
1: half and half okay you know
0: I mean you gotta You gotta maintain control but once you can trust somebody and, and respect the work that they do for you, correct a nice balance of trust and respect and then you provide about 10 to 15 percent oversight just to track it. yep yeah I'm,
1: I'm in the same position. so that's really good. yeah it's uh, especially nowadays with the you know staffing situations that we have mm-hmm. you know and, and everybody has them you know the, yeah. the unrealistic expectation of their value um that exists you know um the unrealistic expectation of what a good day of work is yeah you know um i'm nervous
0: i haven't i haven't hired or been advertising that i've been hiring in over a year i haven't so i actually haven't seen it yet i just continue to
1: mold and appreciate and take care of the people that i have now we i found that if you can get away with less And keep in mind, during season, during golf season, I might have 40, 50 people working for me. Wow. You know, all in part-time, you know, processes. Uh, But, uh, you know, if you can find people that, you know, you can give them multiple duties, uh, you know, and give them a little extra, uh, that's gold. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, nowadays, I mean, it is the expectation that comes in, you know um You know, from people, you know, employees or potential employees, is it's just through the roof. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You know, when you when you sit down and you have an interview with someone for an assistant GM position, and you advertise the the position at a salary range between X and X, and you have two interviews with the person, and then you say, okay, it's time to, you know job to the cut co- you know here it is oh i can't work for that i need two times that hmm. oh wait a minute what part of the interview process did you not get when this is advertised at this to this and now you're saying the minimum you could take is twice that i can't afford that right you know i can mean, you know, unless you're unless you are a small business owner, you have no clue what that sweat is. You know, I mean, of waking up on Friday morning and f- dreading hitting that enter button to open up the bank account to see if you made payroll. You know, it's yeah, so scary, and it's like you're sitting there the night before, and you're you're just sitting, and you're like, all right how do i tell wendy we can't get a check this month because i got to make payroll mhm unless you've done it you don't know it's it's daunting
0: it's definitely daunting i i get that and it's i my father instilled a, a certain fear of not paying people oh yeah so it goes all the way back. Like if um, if my father wasn't paid by somebody and he came back from back when they developed unions way back in the beginning, like 60s, 70s, yeah. they were they were a rough bunch oh, if you yeah. didn't get paid. And my grandfather literally tells stories about taking bats into places that he wasn't paid and slamming it on a desk and not leaving till he got paid. paid yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's some old timer stuff right there. Um, but that's been instilled in me that no matter what I make payroll first. Right. And because they are the lifeblood of the business, they're the face of the business. And I know that I'm doing my job if I'm able to pay my guys and you're right. Sometimes you got to dip into your own money to make it happen. And it, it really is one of the more daunting pieces of owning a small business is taking on employees and you're not just hiring somebody to do a service, like whether it's lawn maintenance or the turf maintenance or restaurant or server or front office, or even somebody to answer the phone, you're taking on the responsibility of their whole family. Yeah. So if you have 40 people on your staff, you actually have the responsibility of 40 families and making sure that they're fed. And I don't know if a lot of people think about getting into business. Think about that. No. It's, it's pretty heavy. And I, I take it very personally. And I keep a nice distance from my staff, including my top staff, even though my coach tells me to be a little more. I have a business coach that tells me a little bit, be, be a little more, like have a five-minute conversation, be more yeah. human. Um, but as long as my checks come in on time, paychecks, I've done my job. Correct. Whew, that's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I brought up turf management. So that's something that I know is real special on golf
1: courses. Yes. Did you know that stuff? Did you hire I somebody who was a. Mm-hmm. So I, inherit, I inherited the superintendent mm-hmm. when I bought the golf course and he decided to stay after I bought it. And um, we had a decent relationship um, and uh, through 2018. And then we switched superintendents after 2018. But I learned, you know, what. You know, in basically hey, um not second guessing, you just learning opportunity. You know, and that's one one of my I have two great retraining opportunity and learning opportunity, um that that I when I talk to my staff, I wanna learn. Okay. So why do we have this type of grass on the greens? Why do we have this type of makeup of of dirt? You know, why can't we just You know put grass seed over there Mm -hmm. you know uh why do we need to put chemicals you know fertilizers and you know fungicides and pesticides on on the grass you know so um the good thing with pga uh through that process uh we also did a whole section on agronomy and learning you know some of the basics you know um the hardest part about liking to play golf enjoying playing golf is playing golf on your own golf course i bet because it's just non stop why is that <laughs> where did that weed come from what what happened with that bunker you know it's just constantly you know um and that's one of the reasons why i enjoy like traveling um taking you know, folks and going and playing other golf courses and, you know, playing in scrambles at other places, you know, these charity events and doing things like that. Less stress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can just enjoy the golf course. Um, you know, it's 168.3 acres.
0: I have a, a good buddy I went to high school with who's a turf superintendent. And uh, it took him a while to get to the position. Yeah. Like he was the one under. Yeah. And before that, he was the one under that. Oh yeah. And then, you know, like, then there was like the, the muscle, mm-hmm. but, um, it was why it was, it's interesting to watch him go through a 20 year journey Yeah, and, um, the technicalities behind it were just mind boggling to me, but they keep the ball rolling, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really an amazing art. Um, what are some behind the scene roles that people don't see when they think of a golf course or when they go, go, go golfing?
1: Well, I mean, it's even as as simple as, um, you know, training people on setup, you know, Um, so we have to move the hole locations or the cups or whatever you want to call them, pins, whatever. uh, Every few, you know, every basic hundred rounds uh, or else the grass starts to, you know, wilt from the pressure of people constantly walking near the hole and things like that. So. You know, keep in mind we the greens are mowed at an eighth of an inch high, and it's normal grass. You know, it's bent grass. You know, but it's normal grass. You know, um, it's not fake. You know, right? You know, it's it's real. So, um, so you got to constantly be moving those. So, you know, you get you have your guy who's on setup in the morning, and you might have a green that um, could be thirty yards in length from front to back as an example and today we got to put the flag or the hole or the cup whatever in the back third of the green well now we've just increased the length of the hole by 20 yards right so we've actually made the hole harder for that day now let's assume that it's 74 degrees well the ball doesn't travel as far as it does when it's 90. Now let's assume that it's humid. The ball doesn't travel as far as when it's not. So now I've added seven additional yards for each of those two. So now I'm 34 yards longer on the hole. Well, let's add in a five-mile-an-hour wind that's coming in your face. There's another seven yards. So now we're at 40 yards longer of a hole, and the golfer hits the ball the same length every, every day. Right. So... I just made this hole even more difficult. So because I made the hole more difficult and golfers tend to play with like golfers, everybody in a group normally shoots around 90. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I made the golf hole 40 yards longer and 40 yards harder. Is it going to take them longer to play the hole? Yes. By how long? Two, three minutes. To play the hole well think of this if we have 10 minute intervals so every 10 minutes we have a new foursome going out to the first hole and let's say we just did this on the first hole 13 minutes for them to start and finish the hole well we added two minutes that's 15. so by the time we the first group goes out they're five, The second group is now five minutes behind pace. Then the third group. Well, that third group picks up their two and their five. Now we're seven. And then the f- next group, now they're almost 12 minutes behind. So that could be almost a 20% loss in the day. Correct. Yeah. Not only that, the round... And that's one hole. That's one. That's, that's first hole. Mm-hmm. We still got 17 more. Right. Imagine if we did it 17 more times. So now... You already lost 12 minutes by the time you get to your fifth group. Now what happens is, is those 12 minutes get added to the length of round. One of the things that people say is golf takes too long. Mm -hmm. It's four and a half hours. That's our ideal. But if I made the first hole harder by the time the fifth group, now it's four hours and 42 minutes. What is it when I get to group 20? Right. Now it's almost five hours and 10 minutes. And what happened? We just didn't set up the golf course right. That's all we did.
0: But that's based on the one hole. So
1: I guess you could move it closer on some rounds. So even if, yeah. So even if we take the next hole, we make that even shorter. Well, that's a three shot hole. So now, now, because hole number two is a par five. So now we're at 17 minutes to play hole number two. So we don't gain any ground. Yeah. And then we continue on this process of where do we gain the ground? Two things that design-wise that don't, don't play well for Locust Hill Golf Course. The fifth hole is a par, par three. But it's a par three with a cul-de-sac so when you get when you leave the fourth hole and you go up to the tee box normally once the group is done and they make their way to their golf cart they proceed out of your way to the next hole they they move further away from you so you can play but now you have to wait for them to get in their cart turn around come back come all the way back past you It's a few seconds for them to drive but you're still waiting. Yeah. We screw up, set up on the start. We're already 12 minutes behind. Now they got to wait. Next thing you know, by the time we get to 11 o'clock in the morning, we got two groups all day sitting on a tee box. At five. Yeah. 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 That's, that's some behind the scenes stuff right
0: there. You know, so, and you're saying you change where the hole is every hundred ish, ish, and you have what
1: two to three options per. So we have three quadrants on our on, on the golf course. Some some I mean, our greens are big enough. We could have five. Okay. You know we could have five quadrants. You know, uh, the problem is is that uh, we get real limited um, with five quadrants, and because we're so busy, I mean we're doing thirty thousand rounds. We're the busiest golf course in the state of West Virginia. Wow. Okay. We do more rounds per eighteen holes than anybody. So you know when you're sitting there and you know you're, you're looking at uh, you know five little areas to put a flag you start getting where they start doubling up in areas so you're not giving that uh that new that replacement cup a chance to to grow back in yeah you know so um but yeah we pretty much have three hole locations for each hole um you know whether it's front middle back right left center things like that nice what makes a um A golf course a successful
0: golf course what are some of the features or or components that you
1: think are the most important priced correctly okay okay and that's based on what so that's based on the experience of and and the challenge of the golf course uh, along with the clientele that you traditionally you know are catering to catering to so hold on so the technicality makes the price go up or down so the more technical the golf course, and the more uh, uh, higher the par. No, no. So more the more technical. So um, instead of instead of having a mixed fairway of ryegrass and bent grass, it's all bent grass, which is very expensive. You know, um, so it has a really good appeal look to it. Um, now you're adding in perceived value i see visually so you know technically you know or you have more turns you know um so you're kind of making the golf course a little harder now we're a tough golf course it is a very challenging golf course it's one of the most challenging ones in the state um but accessible it's pretty flat especially for west virginia mm-hmm. um it's relatively flat for west virginia and um we don't do a lot of you know over the top stuff, you know, um, we don't have, you know, bunkers that cost 30 grand to build, you know, they're pretty much holes with, you know, a few inches of sand and, you know, they're, you know, yeah, that's super ornate. Yeah. They might, it might take them a little longer to drain from a rainstorm, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing like you see on Augusta national where they have actual pumps underneath the bunker that sucks all the water out of them. Wow. You know, uh, so, you know, nothing like that. But when you get into some of that technical stuff, then your price goes up. Um, competition. So um, we've done well, um, you know, being the only public golf course in Jefferson County. Um, you know, when I, when I bought it, we had some closer competition. Um, and since, you know, uh, some other golf courses have, you know shut down recently um, you also have to understand what your competition is you know in regards to you know drive time you know how far will people drive to play golf Sure. Um, we're an hour from Baltimore in DC and if folks are willing to make that drive they're gonna come out to a golf course that's gonna be in pretty good shape year-round not perfect sure we don't have the budget for perfect but you're also not paying $125 to play an equivalent golf course in D.C. or Baltimore, because on a Saturday, or Sunday, that's what you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. We're under sixty bucks. Okay, well, wow. so you know how does you know how does that that blend um, in regards to a golfer's decision on where to go? So you know um, when you're looking at profitability, it's okay what's the maximum rounds i need without doing additional damage to the golf course people don't realize golf carts do damage to the golf course um especially when you get a bunch of people to foul the same area and you know i mean if anybody has a dog you know they know what their yard looks like where the dog runs the same area over and over and over again um well same thing with a golf course you know people take the same shortcut you know uh, on a uh, on a dog leg or, sure. or something or they come off the cart path the same place and it wears out an area so um, you know so you have to have what's the maximum rounds you can have without doing additional damage that also all covers all of your expenses and then what other things can you do to entertain them throughout the process
0: and generate more line items, yeah You know and
1: you know when i when i do my my sales tracking every day you know i look at the day before sales and i compare them from i have you know nine years of comparison but i look at how many rounds we did you know what the revenue was for each of the departments but specifically i look at what is our average golf revenue per round okay Okay. What is our average food and beverage revenue per round of golf average merchandise you know how much merchandise we're selling per round of golf um and then total what is our our true total for every single golfer that walks in the door you know and what and that's either a golfer or you know somebody just coming in for a social event sure you know what is their true value um and and if you're not looking at those numbers as, as as a business owner, well, you're gonna fail, no doubt. You know, but you're all. You also have to, because that that also directs you where you got to make changes. Okay, so I get
0: that. What would be another reason a golf course is awesome that you want to be at or successful? Is it maybe not? I, I guess. Yeah. Rephrase that. So the first question was like, what makes a golf course successful versus not, and quality, price point, and is it delivering yeah. every what everybody's expecting? What would you say is another key to the success of your golf course, or did we pretty much cover it? Because the next question mm-hmm. is what
1: makes them fail. Oh, right. Oh, I'll, I'll answer. All right. So, what makes a golf course a fail mm-hmm. is when. When someone makes the decision that their their golf course is worth more to them than it is to their customers, hmm. so I could easily price Locust Hill at a hundred bucks on a weekend. Mm-hmm. I could easily price it at seventy-five during the week. Okay, now what's going to happen? I have almost double the revenue coming in every golfer. So that means I have double the stuff I can do. I, I Instead of getting generic pesticides, I can get, you know, name brand pesticides. So it's going to work twice as good. Better, yeah. Okay. So instead of mixing the fairway with bent grass and rye, I guess I'm just going to go all bent grass, you know, um, just to give you an idea. So ryegrass is going to be, you know, 100 bucks for $50. Pound bag bent grass is going to be two fifty for a twenty pound bag. Okay, huge difference. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that'd be a,
0: a case of overspending then. Correct.
1: Okay. All right.
0: So once uh, I based s- on ego.
1: Yes. Okay. Once I say, hey, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to be able to do all this other stuff, but then your rounds go from thirty to twelve. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you sh- you haven't made you haven't made enough revenue to cover everything. So now you got to take from 40 people down to 20. So now all you're doing is you're chasing every single dollar that walks in the door. It's a nightmare. And you're chasing every dollar that walks in the door and you're presenting that to your staff, all we're worried about is what's coming out of that guy's pocket. Once they pay us, who gives a crap?
0: Yeah, that's not the right culture,
1: you know. And and it feeds throughout to everyone, you know, and I've, I've been guilty of being in that mode at times, mm-hmm. you know, and, and no small business owner ever can stay out of that mode, you know, but no matter how frustrated I am sitting here when I'm doing the books or anything like that, I'm always, I'm going to come out and just, Hey, how'd it go today? How was your route? You know, Hey, thanks for coming. See you next time. You know, whatever. Um, so, you know, When you start getting greedy because you think you have something that's, you know, you know, when you start selling out, that's when you need to start raising prices. Right. You know, because now you're like, okay, I'm doing more damage to the golf course because I have too many rounds. You got to find that real sweet
0: spot. Correct. And that's got to be. Man, that changes from year to year, and yeah. that's that's why it's good you look at watching your books and your budgets so regularly because then you can start to see that. I so mean, so, <clears throat> so many business owners don't watch their books close enough to see those subtle shifts. Yeah, and you can find yourself too low or too high, and too much of a change up, like you said, can take you from thirty to twelve. Um, and I can de- I can definitely relate to all of that. The um, I see it. I've seen it in my businesses in the past also. And especially since COVID, you know, there's been a lot of price increases. When we first went on lockdown, I knew we had to do a significant price increase immediately because you don't want to be the last one to do it. Right. If you're the last one to do it, that means you've missed out on quite a bit of revenue. And the the demand fortunately was still there. And maybe we were too low anyways, due to the fear of trying to compete with customers and cutting our own throats to stay in business. I can totally relate to that. And one of the things you mentioned brings up the idea of culture having a solid culture with your team and your staff and how they deliver it from, from your leadership or the leadership of your management team. It's absolutely crucial because people will pay more to feel better. Yeah, They don't want to feel like a target. You know, sometimes you'll have to hire a plumber or HVAC or some other contractor to come in. And when you don't know enough about the industry, You're like, yo, six grand? Yeah. You're like, I want to get multiple quotes, but then it's hard to get multiple contractors to come out. And then you you want to be educated in your decision, but you're also panicked to get the work done. Right. You don't want to feel like a wallet that's just pouring money out to somebody. You want to feel like you're really getting the quality. And for the most cases, people that I've hired, I felt the culture of the business. So I would pay a little more for the right culture. Yeah. And for the right purchasing feeling. And you mentioned that, that pe- the golfers come off the course or on the course, they feel like, I mean, I had a rough day, yeah, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. And that's yeah. that says a lot about your business and, and your leadership tactics. So I, I really appreciate that. I try to have the same thing with Bracken's painting is, is to have a culture of customer service that's massively over the top. And I want to deliver, it's always in development. There's always something new coming out, but I want to deliver a different experience that makes it noteworthy for the customer or the mm-hmm. client where they're like, yeah, you can hire that other guy or you can go to that other golf course. But when I'm over here at this one, this is how I feel. And that's why I want to keep going back. Yeah, it's really, it's really important. Wayne. I love, I love that. Um, earlier we talked about how you haven't quite gotten to where you want to get with how your business is flowing, specifically yeah. in the clubhouse or in the event center sort of thing. Yep. What are things that people who might listen to the podcast or just in comment. Yeah, you know, we've all find ourselves at networking events. What is something that people should say about Locust Hill golf course that you want them to say because it's it's true and that would encourage others to check it out, whether it's the events or the banquet or golfing. So,
1: you know, we're family oriented. Uh we there's kids at the golf course all day and don't let me forget about that part too sorry all day every day you know with first tee program but you know one when, when i when i talk to people you know especially like like new employees that are coming in for interviews i said listen if you don't like kids don't work here and is even our bartenders you know new year's eve we do a we do a neighborhood new year's eve party great um you know, Some potlucks. We we put some food together. We have a DJ and all that stuff. But, like, parents bring their kids in sleeping bags. And we have a little lounge area. As soon as you walk in, it has a couch. And, you know, we'll put Mm -hmm. the TV on, like Nickelodeon or whatever. And the kids sit there in sleeping bags. You know the parents are over in the bar area. You know it's it's all big one open building. Mm-hmm. You know and they can see the kids the whole time. Yeah. You know parents are doing their New Year's Eve stuff and the kids are just hanging out over there. So they don't have to get a babysitter. You know they. You know the the the, the golf course is is a safe environment. We have plenty of green space. You know people come. You know so. You know getting more people just to come you know and enjoy the food enjoy the atmosphere enjoy you know um you know we're at diners and drive-in and dot di- dot di- 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 ah drivers drive-ins and dives there we go kind of environment mm-hmm. um You know, you're not going to come in there and you're not going to, you know, yeah, we can, we can do events with tablecloths. We can do weddings and do all that stuff. You know, we can do all that stuff, but on a regular day, you're going to come in, you're going to sit down, you know, you're going to have your beer. It's still going to be in a can. Sure. You can ask for a glass, but you don't have to, you know, and I get that, you know, order a bucket of beer, put it on the table and say, you know what? I want a burger. And you're going to get a burger, you're going to get a, you know, paper plate, you know, and uh, styrofoam plate, whatever, you know, and sit down and have this awesome burger, Eggs, awesome fries. I mean, our wings, I mean, Thursday night, wing night. I mean, it's just like we've been doing wing night forever. Damn it, Wayne. I'm not, I don't know anything about that. I, um, uh, we got to get the word out somehow. So we're, we're, we're one of the very few places that still does wing night. Mm-hmm. So when, when the prices of wings went crazy, right. You know, I mean, yeah, we went from 75 cent wings to 95 cent wings, but every Thursday night, you know, it's wing night, you know, and we're always in the journal running for best wings in Jefferson County. Um, you know, everybody, everybody loves our wings, you know, we got. 25 30 different sauces I have no clue really I mean the, the girls are making up new sauces all the time you know <laughs> um, you know and most of its customers say all right well let's take the let's take the chili and put honey in it and then we you know and uh, add some barbecue to it and we'll call it this and I'm like okay it's your choice huh? I don't we'll put it in a bowl and mix it up for you that's fine you cool, know but yeah. uh, you know wings and and you know, $3 beers and, and football, come on. Right. You know, what else do you want? You know, uh, summertime. I mean, it's just, you know, with our, our leagues and it's, you know, we'll do a thousand wings on a, on a wing night in in the summer. That's incredible. You know, and it's just nonstop, you know, wintertime it gets a little slower. So, you know, come out, watch some football, you know, college NFL, you know, we got the, you know, watch you know the amazon prime to watch the nfl games uh what a mistake i think nfl did on that one um (laughs) they they, they've purposely they've purposely without their without knowing it they've purposely kept people at home you're right yeah how many restaurants do you go to you know on a on a sunday you're going to go you know say you you know say you're traveling and on a sunday you're you go. You're at a hotel, and you're you go downstairs. Hey, do you know a bar restaurant around here that has direct TV or has NFL ticket that watch the games? Right. You know. You don't get. Hey, do you know anybody has Amazon Prime to watch the Thursday night game? Not the same. Not the same. Right. You know. Um, and you know, love me some Ravens. Okay. And when they were on uh, the other night um, two weeks ago on on Amazon Prime, um, I am not a commercial uh, watcher. i'm a a surfer Mm -hmm. so that commercial comes on click refresh go back you know well when you're in amazon prime you can't do that because you got to get out of the amazon prime out of the platform yeah and then back in you know so you know the nfl's actually put people at home right instead of going out and supporting local small businesses that's some of the best times is watching football games at a bar with your friends yeah you know so yeah. I mean, my wife and I will still, we'll still sit there and, you know, you know, when she feels up for going out, she'll be like, Hey, you want to get out to Patty's and watch the game? Yeah. Let's go to Patty's and watch the game. Right. You know, and we'll get in the car, drive down to patties and, you know, you bump into people, you know, and absolutely. then it's, it's like a social thing.
0: It's good to get yeah. out. I'll yeah. tell you what, you've inspired me because I mean, I don't know how it's going to be received by my community, but if you have Thursday night wing night, we're currently at ABO, but we've been there since their grand opening yeah. on our Thursday nights. And we've frankly played out the pizza. People don't even go in anymore. We meet there. Yeah. We do our run. We rarely go inside. Maybe we switch over because you've got enough parking. Absolutely. I know running on the course isn't ideal and we've, we've spitballed that idea quite a few times, but the neighborhood is there. That's a big enough neighborhood. We could run in all directions, get in some yeah. miles and then come in and have wings. I love that idea because I love wings. I'm going to talk to some of my social captains and say, look, man, why don't we just pivot over to Locust Hill? Safe running area with the neighborhoods, good parking, and the mandatory food. It's mandatory for us to have some sort of food option or or drink option after our our runs. So I'm going to bring that up uh, in the coming months because let's do it. Let's do a little change up. That sounds really good. I think where my disconnect in my head was... We really couldn't get permission to run on the course and the course wasn't going to be long enough anyway. So it's like sort of back and forth, back and forth. But now actually it makes a lot more sense. It's crazy. It takes this sort of sit down to figure that out. But I love that idea. I'm going to, I'm going to mess around with the bros and see if, if we can do that. And then the more people that know it's about awareness and social media just isn't pushing us. Like social media is never going to recommend what Indian restaurant I should go try. No, because I'm not, constantly looking at indian food
1: you know you want to have some fun with social media (laughs) go ahead all right my wife she does it all the time hey do you see the post from such and such no i don't get their feed Mm -hmm. we're best friends but you don't see it i don't see it because whatever my interests are that's in this algorithm doesn't show me that person's feed but my wife she follows it you know maybe she likes every now and then Mm -hmm. something on theirs and and i don't right you know. Um, so we're spending, you know, me, you know, we're spending this money advertising, you know, on social media and doing all these posts and doing all that stuff, but how many are actually hitting our, our market? Right. You know, we already know that the algorithm is, is keeping a lot of stuff away. The only way to hit everybody, and I just went through this with my campaign, the only way to hit everybody is to pay for everybody. That's the only way they're going to see it. Yeah. That's tough. That's five grand. Yeah. A month. It's too much. That's way too much. Yeah. You know, you know, giving $60,000 a year to a multi-billion dollar company that, you know, just yesterday realized, Hey, we got to lay people off. Worse yet. Worse yet is.
0: It's like paying me to paint your house. And it, we do one coat of paint instead of two. Yeah. I'm like, No, by definition, it's painted. It's painted. You're like, well, it's your word that it's painted. It's not my word that it's painted. You don't have any control over the results that they give you on how much traction alleged you that you had. It's such a, it's a pretty genius racket on their part, but it's messing with the
1: entire planet's success. Where's your advertising right now? For me? Where can you advertise? Oh yeah.
0: It's basically social media.
1: You know, that's basically it. And we have no control. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember um, when I first came up in the area, uh, I, I started working with a company, uh, you know, doing uh, business networking organizations. And, you know, one of the guys who, who owned the ValPack in this area, um, you know, uh, when I opened up a mortgage company, I would put like, you know, hey, free appraisal for, you know, that kind of stuff. All right. the VALPAC was 2 3 inches thick when Crazy. you got it. Yeah. Now it's like it not even I mean regular stamp can mail the VALPAC. Right. There's like 10 coupons in there and they're all the same. So all this other advertising that we've done is gone. Newspaper. How many people look at the newspaper advertising? You know, we spent money during the campaign for for the newspaper, but guess what we did? We did half pages. And in color so you could see me right you know um, but but all the
0: same people are reading the newspaper and it's just those people it's, just not, those it's, not, people. A, it's not a growing market
1: you know uh, phone book hello Mm-mm. when's the last time you got a phone book in the mailbox right you know that doesn't exist anymore I've recently got good feedback from other
0: small business owners that they're getting a lot of good traction out of the baseball field at the high schools. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that. Cause I've always been, that's probably not for me, but then the captive audience of parents for my industry in particular, for right. paint for home improvement, they're staring at your logo yeah. for five hours or something yeah. crazy like that. And then, um, I used to be not super into putting my logo on like event t-shirts unless I had some sort of creative, Influence on how the shirts came out. Yeah, and I recently put my logo across the the top shoulders of an event. I paid quite a bit of money for it, um, but it immediately paid off. Yeah, and then I've gotten feedback about people who saw the higher quality shirt with my dominant logo, and I was like, wow! So now I'm actually getting some feedback on some what would be considered now guerrilla marketing. Yeah, but it was actually something we all did years ago. So I'm starting to see a little bit of a pivot um, and I've tried social media marketing and I'm not confident in the results that I've been getting, but it does pay for itself. So I do get enough leads that it, it feeds into itself, but um, it's really tricky. But let's say, let's let's wrap this up with, um, let's drive people to the golf course. So give me one or two more things as to why people need to come out there and see it and what the what's the website or the social media.
1: So, all right. What are going to get when you walk into Locust Hill? Well, let's do one for golfers. So this one's for golfers. Okay. All right. So for golfers. For golfers that may, maybe have not played the golf course in a while. Um, golf courses ebb and flow in regards to their overall condition based off of, you know, Mother Nature and things like that. Uh, currently, right now, I'd say the golf course is probably in the best shape it's been in a long time. Um, that's due to like good rain. occasionally. we, we occasional had a great rain. year this year. Yeah, you know, just absolute, you know, not over overburdened with the water. We, you know, not, not too much too heat. heat yeah. you know, so yeah. we had a great year this year. I mean, it's super te- superintendent's like wonder year. Right. Um, you know, so I mean, any there there's not a, but there's not a golf course that's not in good shape right now. So they're all in great shape because of the weather. Um. But you're going to get a challenging golf course, and I mean challenging. I mean, we can make that golf course wicked hard, or we can make it pretty easy. But even still easy, I mean, you're not going to go out there and have a career round. It's going to challenge you all the way through. Um, And we are the lowest price point golf course in the area. Okay. You know, we used to be a little bit above some of the Blue Ridge Shadows and Bowling Green and all that stuff, and they all took this time and jacked up pricing. You know, we went up two bucks, some of them went up 10, 20, 15 dollars. We, We've stay in that family affordable price. Um, it's great in regards to social, you know, social things.
0: Um, let's go for families next. How do you bring more families in?
1: So, or non golfers. You know, non-golfers, family looking for, you know, first Fridays is karaoke. It's a lot of fun. You know, we don't mind the kids going up and singing and doing that kind of stuff. That's great. You know, it, it's sometimes kind of funny. Um, but, uh, you know, um, we do birthday parties. We do uh, we do uh, staff Christmas parties. I mean, right now it's surprising that, you know, we only have two booked for, for December. Um and we thought that we would have a little bit more. We'd like to do six, seven uh, staff parties. I mean, y- you had the birthday party there. I mean, w- we know how to do an event. Yeah. You know, and it's fun and it's priced really good. And, you know, it's, yeah, you know, it's something for everybody. So, um, you know, we would like to see, you know, more of that stuff. Obviously, you know, our wing night, burger night, you know, Tuesdays is burger night. Wednesdays is seafood. Thursday's ring night, Friday's chef's Tom special. He changes the menu. Sure. Uh, Saturday and Sunday day, we're doing burgers or something on the on the grill for lunch, and um, Saturday night is uh, uh, steak night. You know, and all of our food is fresh.
0: Awesome. What's the website that people can see where those like,
1: that kind of calendar is and Loc- how, how to get there and stuff? Locust Golf Nice. And we are Locust Hill Golf Course, comma, WV on Facebook. We used to be just Locust Hill Golf Course, but last December someone stole it. Jeez. That sucks. Yeah. And try and get anything from Meta, get it fixed. Forget about it. Forget yeah. about it.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I mean, you answer answered a lot of questions and opened my you. eyes to so much. And I, I like that we dug into some of the background stuff that you don't ever see. Things that make it a little bit more challenging to own it. I like that we went into like staff development and management and then how it all got up and running. I think it's a great story. I'm really happy we're sharing it. Well, thank you. And I I really look forward to coming out there, getting wings and checking out Burger Night. And then karaoke is not my jam, but I know a lot of people who might enjoy it, you know. Um, So, Wayne, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Awesome. Today's conversation was brought to you by Bracken's Painting. You can find information about Brackens Painting at www.brackenspainting.com for all of your residential and commercial painting needs. Give Brackens a call.